Biden's American Rescue Plan includes some relief for Affordable Care Act premiums. The measure increases subsidies for people who make between 104% of the poverty level for two years. PCS advisors Paul Siegert explains. The way the math will work is if you have between 100 to 400% of federal poverty level, the amount that you would have to be paid that you would have to pay in premium would be capped at eight and a half percent of your income. Secret says the changes will make it easier for people who are on the higher end of the earnings scale take part in the ACA. It's a good thing for people who need to get access to coverage and affordably. So there's positives, certainly. That's a positive. I think the um, part that it doesn't address that we need to address as a nation is why the cost of health insurance is so disconnected from the cost of health care. And so, you know, while we're while it's a good thing to get more people covered, and I think that's something that all political uh, sides can agree upon, we need to also include in the conversation things that we can do to drive down the actual cost of health insurance. Secret says again, this is a good beginning, but there are other things to keep in mind. The big household name insurers, their stock prices are up two to three thousand thousands of percent since the. Uh, uh, the ACA became law, and that it has not resulted in affordable uh, care or reduction in the cost of insurance. Deductibles are up 87%. There's $85 billion in medical debt out there being held by American consumers, much of which is in collections. So there's certainly some areas there that we need to focus on. Secret says transparency also remains a big issue when it comes to health insurance. The transparency rule that kicked in, the beginning of this year that required hospitals to publish their pricing for 300 common procedures has shown that there's a wild range of prices that a consumer can get charged based on the insurance card that comes out of their wallet for a procedure. An example that I talk about a lot is a, a total knee replacement. We can see that done at a center of excellence at 19000 and then we can see it billed at 140000 and It's just a, a huge range, and it's, there are more extreme examples than that. And so now, if we can get that transparency in the system across all cost drivers in the system and arm the American consumer with that information and reward them for making good consumer decisions, I mean, the American consumer's a very powerful thing. We'll consume well, but we need the information to do it. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Think you understand PBMs? What's a PBM? Oh, for crying out loud. If you're asking that question, this podcast isn't for you. This is the... I'm just asking what a PBN is. It's PBM. M as in manager. Pharmacy benefit manager. PBM. Got it? Well, sure, but what's a PBM? This is the More On PBMs podcast with host, Pharmacy Benefit Manager. Huh? Sounds complex. With host, Kyle Fields, CEO of AppProRx. So it's like about drugs and stuff. This podcast digs into the dark corners of the unregulated PBM business practices and sets the record straight. It's a podcast about records. Drugs and records? Huh? And now, here's our host, Kyle Fields. 
I'm still a bit confused about the records and the drugs. Can you explain? Hey guys, I, I appreciate you having us on here today. Uh, I uh, got a lot to talk about the PPM space. And as, uh, I'll channel a little Gary Burbank 700 WLW. You know what makes me sick? You know what makes so anger about PBMs? I just want to slide down a banister full of razor blades in a tub of my favorite Tabasco sauce. It's the lack of transparency that's out there. It's the lack of the human element side of things. And so we try out there trying to find the best kind of people, the best people in the space, the best people that we know, the best people we hear on the radio, speaking their mind, uh, you know, speaking truth to justice, you know, being, uh, being the Batman. I'll go with the 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton. He's my favorite. But um, it's really, it's finding the right people out there that can speak their mind, that know the truth, that actually has the, the knowledge and the and experience in the space, because actually they are the humans that are involved in this, this giant T-1000 world that is, the, that is the PBM space, unfortunately. And we want to put that human element back into this. So one of the people we, I found out there that I heard on the radio, speaking 700 WLW, is Paul Seeger, uh, CEO of uh, PCS Advisors. And I'd like to introduce him right now. Paul, say hello. Hi there. How are you today? Excellent. Excellent. Tell me, I'll first thing on top of your head, when you think of the PBM space, when you think about this drug space that's $400 billion being spent and ever so increasing every year, what comes to mind to you? That, uh, what's that gut feeling you guys have? Well, it's profiteering. It's waste. It's, uh, it's the opposite of what you think of when you think of the American economy and a free market and capitalism. We've somehow allowed a whole, a massive part of our economy what was 5% when Medicare started, healthcare was 5% of GDP, now it's a fifth of our economy. And we've allowed it to set its own rules. And when you allow that to happen, you're gonna have a, a, a big industry that doesn't have transparency and doesn't have free market forces. So we've got this huge amount of waste and we as the American consumer are shouldering the vast majority of the cost of providing amazing pharmaceutical therapies and treatments to the whole world. And it's uh, it's out of control. Yeah, again, I'm nothing against the medications that come out. I mean, these drugs have 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 convincingly and, and statistically shown to increase the longevity of the, of the human population. But uh, all of a sudden, they're they're taking. It seems like they're taking advantage of that, and they're taking advantage not just of the cost, but uh, I mean, all these drugs that are coming out that cost ten to a hundred thousand dollars. Are they really doing anything? Is 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 the question? And again, I'm not, uh, the, the point is that you're not to deny people their medications. The point is, right. if you're going to drop $100,000 on something, does it, does it, does it work? I mean, if you go out and buy a $100,000 car and it works only half the time, we're going to have some questions. And, and, and I, so we wonder always how, you know, from a management side of things, you know, for this, the intro would state that there's very little management in the pharmacy benefit management. Um, there's pharmacy, there's benefits, but there's no, there's no management. Who's actually looking at the dollars, looking at the prescribing, looking at the, at the uh, distribution, looking at the, at the effectiveness. Um, you know, one of the questions that uh, we poised as a pure philosophical, you know, Socrates type question would be, what if we only paid for a medication as a benefit provider after it worked? Now there's a whole lot that goes into that. I understand, but just as that general question is something that uh, that needs to be that needs to be asked because we're spending the money and nothing seems to be working. Um, I, I totally agree. It's like uh, and hey, we're supposed to have some some organizations like the FDA that would ensure that the drugs do work before they get to market. 
And we've got a real recent example that you and I have talked about offline, this uh, Adahelm drug, this new Alzheimer's drug, first new Alzheimer's drug in 18 years. And you have 11 scientists that are there to give the FDA their opinion, their scientific opinion as to whether or not the FDA should approve this drug or not. 10 of them say no. One of them says, I'm unsure, and they approve the drug. And right. it costs $56,000 a year to have someone on this drug. That doesn't even account for the fact that it's an outpatient infusion treatment at a doctor's office, and there's all kinds of other costs associated with that that drive the real cost to 100000 So now we're going to have a $100,000 a year drug. Three of the scientists have quit the review board. They're so disgusted as a result of this situation. And you have 6 million people with Alzheimer's, mostly on Medicare who need hope. And you have so many perverse incentives in our system. The doctor who prescribes it will get $3,360. So will it get prescribed despite the lack of, of evidence that it works? Absolutely. What if we had 500,000 out of the 6 million get put on this drug? I mean, we, we really actually are in a time where one single drug could topple the system right. and allow it to get to this point. You've got a drug that could be just at the $56,000 price tag, not the hundred. We could add $29 billion to a $90 billion spend. That's incredible. Medicare spent $90 billion on this stuff last year, and now we're going to add $29 for more billion for one drug. What's it going to do to Part, part B premiums that are just under $150 a month right now? Right. So it's going to have to get paid for. But they know, these, these players know, if they can get a drug approved, uh, and then they give them nine years to prove, to do a confirmatory trial. This is an incredible situation we're in. Yeah, and it's not that we, you don't want to deny people their medicines. That's not what you're saying here, right? You you just want to have some oversight. If we're going to spend this kind of money, you know, that there's that there's the, the evidence is there. That there's That's fact based right. science. The, what's the term everybody's using right now? Uh, follow the science. Follow the, the science. science. And if it's not there and you have, you have experts and you're listening to the experts, they're not saying it's there. Why should uh, the government, the taxpayer, the, the small business, the large business, the public traded company pay for a drug that may not work, may or may not work? And so, so you're saying, it, yeah, I think we're on the same page with the, the management side of things. You know, let's take a look at it. And if it works, great. Good. We want it. We want it out there. Let's see what you do to mitigate those costs. Um, you know, take your medicine and take it correctly. We want to reduce any catastrophic events. And but it seems there on this when you're dealing with Alzheimer's, which is a huge heartstring, devastating condition. Absolutely, it is. devastating. That I think maybe people should maybe some, some pardon me there. I'll edit that part out. But <laughs> taking advantage <laughs> of the uh, of the heartstrings of maybe the American public. And uh, unfortunately, I think that's probably the worst, the best case scenario. You know, right. unfortunately, after being in this healthcare space for a while, you, you can tend to get a little bit jaded when you see this degree of waste that, that allowed to occur in the system. And there's so many other examples of it. And we, we, we all want people to get medicine that works. And we want, I mean, it's, there are miracles occurring every day in this space. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, let's pay for those. And then, Let's talk about the fact that when you have these drugs that cost $56,000 or you've got a Humira that's five or $10,000 a month, most commonly prescribed specialty drug, or you've got Humalog and insulin that plans are paying $550 a month, how much of that? And then when, they, when the industry tells you, I think the perception on the part of the American people is that we have to pay these high prices here because we need to fund R&D. 
Well, then let's have some transparency around that. When we look at insulin and it's 550 a month, how much of that is going to the manufacturer? It's a small fraction. I mean, you know better than me, but 330 of it's waste out of the 220 and the manufacturer doesn't even get or all the 220. They're splitting that with a, a wholesaler and the pharmacy itself. And so it's really, the waste isn't living at the manufacturer level in so many cases. Right, and one of the, one of the analysis that we have one of our, our standard presentations is we look at we look at rebates as well. And everybody says, well, costs go up maybe because of direct consumer marketing, which arguably, yes, you could say that, but you're sure. you're dealing with about a six billion dollar a year industry, you know, of the of the commercials on Family Feud and, and your and your local news stations. But um, when you look at the rebate side of things, you're dealing with 160 to 170 billion dollars a year being sent. Uh, from drug manufacturers to the PBMs and most of that not hitting the consumer. I mean, $170 billion, that, that's an industry unto itself. I mean, that's larger than, than multiple industries combined that we use every single day. And, and, and nobody knows about it. And that's, right. to me, it's a little diabolical. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a little, uh, you know, Austin Powers-ish, you know, Dr. Evil. But, um, you know, it's, it's, they're not understanding the general population not understanding the amount of dollars that are truly, truly out there that are siphoned out of the system. That's right. Well, you're you're a human, as I as I as I'm led to believe that. Uh, <laughs> so you're out there talking with other humans as well, and other companies and other people who are are footing these bills. And what's the one? Uh, what's that one common complaint that you're you're hearing out there as it, with with your ear to the ground? What I'm hearing, and I'm I'm talking to, in thirty to forty CFOs a week of of employers as, as prospective clients. And the, it's a very consistent message that we hear. We go through in our short, you know, kind of introductory 20 minute meeting, we go through some of this stuff, the cost drivers in a health plan in, in terms of the claims and how much waste exists. And, and the biggest, the high point of that conversation or the, the most meat, the most waste exists in the pharmacy space. And it's the fastest growing. Here we are at 30-ish percent of the total spend in a plan, and it's skyrocketing toward 50%. It's the threat on the horizon. And we take these employers, these CFOs, through this, this item on their cost stack that's climbed up on their P&L to number three, number two. Uh, it's very high uh, relative to where it used to be. And they have, in many cases, no visibility on where these dollars are going. But they have a gut feeling. The feedback we get is, at their gut level, they have a feeling this is not being handled in the right way, uh, to say it nicely, that they're getting yeah. taken advantage of, frankly. They have, they have trust issues. You know, Absolutely. I'm paying a big bill, uh, and I don't really know where it's going. It feels like a, yeah. a bottomless pit. And then my advisors, my brokers are out there saying that a 20% increase is, is, is normal, normalized. I'll tell you what waste. benchmarking is. Benchmarking <laughs> is the way that we make you feel good about being getting just as screwed as everybody else right. you know like i was talking to an employer today in in uh, texas somewhere before this call and at a very high level their costs per employee per year are fifteen thousand dollars their regional average should be more like twelve thousand dollars and the the consultant for the plan was on the employer the cfo the vp of hr all these people are on and they're explaining to me how they've gotten such amazing results and why they're doing so much better than the marketplace and and I was kind about it, but I had to share some, you know, some facts with them and some data. 
you're actually running 25% high and you have a high deductible health plan. This is not, how did that happen? And it's because of what we're going to talk about over the next 20 minutes. It's the waste that's existing in the system. You, we have, a, we have no, very little to no transparency. As you say, that's a kind of a given. That's a sad given. And we're at a place where $5 gas makes $4 gas look good. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible the amount of waste. So these CFOs, a lot of times at the end of our short meeting, they say, look, I figured this was what was going on. I didn't realize it was this bad. And now I'm, I'm going to be depressed today. But there's an optimistic part of it. We can fix this. We are fixing this right. every day, uh, one employer at a time. In fact, I think it's people like us on this show and others around the country. There's a movement of people growing that care, want to fix this, want to be part of the solution. Insurance is nobody's favorite conversation, but helping to fix what is so broken is exciting. And it's not, it's, I think the, the only stakeholders who care to fix it are employers who are, you know, need to make a profit. Right. And this is totally threatening their business, what's happening. And they care enough to do something about it while the government can print more money and keep overpaying. Right. And I say, even if the employer general, you know, the, the average everyday employer who's good at making what they make or, or providing the services they provide, um, they may not understand the PBM or pharmacy space, but everybody understands that universal language of money. That's right. They make money and that's, that's money right. that they spend on whatever materials they need to do their job on the staff that they need to do their job. They know where every dollar is. They know why they're spending that money except on benefits. It's exactly. this mystical world. I'm, I'm, I love analogies, but the common one of pulling back the curtain, you know, and seeing what's going on on back there uh, is, is, is insane. And, and when you, when I, when I'm out there as well, and you've probably seen it as well, when you show people these savings, they're incredulous. They don't, they're, that's, there's no way I've been wasting that amount of money. And again, we're not out there to tell people they were wasting money. We would, we're out there to tell people there's an answer. There's a there's solution. A, there is a solution. Thank the Lord. I mean, I, I, to your point, I was just I, working with an employer just, just so not all of them are in Texas. It's just the stories coming to mind today are, but I was talking to this employer and we worked with them. We, we got contracted as a consultant to build them a solution, analyze what they were doing. They were in a, a self-funded health plan with one of the big companies out there. We won't call it United, but that's its name. But anyway, they were with this big insurance company in an ASO self-funded plan, and they were subject to a pharmacy benefit manager that behaved badly. And just by looking at their pharmacy area of their spin, and they're kind of a little ahead of the curve. Their pharmacy was already tracking towards 50% of the total of what they're spending on healthcare. And they're spending $5 million on healthcare. Uh, and we were able to, by getting the waste out of the system with partners, PBM partners uh, that do what you do and some other innovative solutions, we were able to show them $1.2 million reduction in cost, same quality, same, their folks are going to the same pharmacies to pick up the same prescriptions and they're going to put $1.2 million back into their firm. $1.2 million. It's incredible. <laughs> They're sitting there saying, how the heck is it that every day they wake, wake up in business and they have competition and they have to go out and compete in terms of cost and quality to keep and win business. And yet they're buying this, this what has become this huge line item for them. They're buying it from people who don't have to uh, compete in terms of cost and quality and don't even have to tell you where your money goes. Yeah, imagine amazing. Imagine having that in cash in front of that person as part of the negotiation. I mean, 
And, and again, you're not, and then you, then you have to explain to them, you're not giving them their money, this money. They're key. They're not, this is this, I will be taking this if you want to keep the status quo. That's right. And that's, that's, that's the thing. You're not giving them anything. They're you're allowing them to keep their hard earned money. And if you want to go with the status quo as part of that sales thing, I always joke about man to say, well, I'm going to go now. And you take that briefcase out and they go, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Right. Well, if you want a solution, let's, let's get down a brass tacks. Again, we're not here to, 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 to make sure that your patients, your employers, patients can't go to a pharmacy of their choice. We're not here to say that they can't get the medicine that they need. We're saying, let's manage this. Let's manage this. So, and just like car maintenance, just like body maintenance, just like anything you do in this world, if you maintain it ahead of time, you just, you solve those disastrous problems. And that disastrous oh. problem, you said it, is yeah. $1.2 million. It, I bet you didn't start out that way. I bet you it was 100000 then 200000 then then $1.2 million. There's not one company on this, in this country that says that's not a significant amount of money when it comes to their bottom line. And if you made a $1.2 million mistake on some, on a PO or, or uh, whatever, that somebody gets fired. But in the PBM space, it's been normal. It's so been normalized and then to follow one of the toughest questions I get, because I don't, you don't win clients by being negative. You don't win clients by being negative specifically about your competition. Right. And so that's a tough one because lots of conversations in 30 or 40 a week, uh, probably 10 every week get to a point where the CFO says, so why the heck have I not heard this before? Why is my fill in the blank? large consulting firm not telling me about this stuff. And then I have to dance around a little bit and say, look, I don't, I don't, I just tell them, I don't win customers by being negative about my competition. But on the other hand, I want to answer your question honestly. Right. So it's not my t intention to sound negative. It's not my intention to criticize decisions you've made. Uh, you were make, you were working with the information you had available to, to you at the time. I'm, it's my intention to share new information with you. And when you look at that insulin and your plan's paying $550 a month instead of 220, what you need to go do is, is find out where did that 330 go? Who's benefiting from that? They're not your friend. You know? right. They're not people that have your best interest at heart. You know? And unfortunately, that big RX consortium that they're telling you about and you're even paying extra to be a part of, it's not working to your advantage. Right. Uh, you know, these bonuses that people are earning that are tied to your business, that aren't showing up on your 50 high 500 because they're not specifically tied just to your account. That's how they can get around that. That is the, these dollars help fund that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah. you need to know where these dollars are going. Once you figure that out and you need to, what, you know what healthcare is scared of in this country, the system is scared of a free market and somehow it's, oh, yeah. but we get free market forces involved. Look at, uh, elective procedures, whether it's cosmetic or otherwise. I had an elective procedure done. I feel obligated to say it's not cosmetic. I always looked like this, okay? <laughs> but, but for good or, or bad, uh, except I'm getting more gray hair. But I had an elective procedure done. I flew, I find the best guy in the country that does it. Happened he was a guy. Uh, I fly to LA and I paid 10,000 in cash. They just bang, they hit my card for 10 grand. I have my appointment with him, go to bed, wake up, go into the facility, bing, bang, boom, I'm out for lunch. And had I had it been deemed medically necessary and I used my insurance, da, 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 my plan would have paid around $50,000 for this. If 
But when it's elective and it's a cash basis and you remove the insurance payment model out of it, look at LASIK, look at some of these other things, yes. look at going to a center of excellence and getting a total knee and getting it now it's as low as $16,000 from one of the best people in the country versus 140 or even as high as 270 that we've seen it by less qualified people. So it's, it's in pharmacy, it's throughout the whole system. And what they've done effectively is lobby so well that like, you know better than me. If, you, if you're a pharmacy that takes insurance, you don't get to determine your own fair cash price for that product. Correct. That's, if people knew this stuff, I have to believe they would, uh, they, they would have a hard time believing it. It's like a movie. It's like the Pelican Brief or something. It's yes. incredible that that's allowed. You, know, you look yeah. at like Monolucast or whatever, generic for single air. If you can get a fair cash price, it'd be 34 bucks for a year, except the cash price they can charge by contracts is around $400 because they take insurance and the insurance company gets to tell them, here's what you can say is your cash price. Yeah, Dave, uh, That's incredible. Uh, Todd and I have a mutual friend, uh, Dave Marley, who has made a, have made a hugely successful business, uh, recently sold, but hugely successful. And he even... He's out of North Carolina and he was selling uh, uh, three, six, 12 month supplies all the way out in the Ohio space because uh, he was on uh, all of our radio stations and marketing it. Yeah. But that's how and he's. So how can he sell a year's supply, 360 tablets or, or caps, whatever it was, and still make a profit because it, because it's not as expensive as people think. So that we're already profitable. And then when you put insurance it makes certain companies just off the charts profitable and intentionally confusing. And, uh, but don't worry, they guarantee rebates back to you and they guarantee all these, these discounts and everything. It's like, well, why would they guarantee it if it was bad? And, and, you know, as, as, as Chris Farley said, all they sold you was a, was, was a guaranteed piece of, you know what, right. I'm going to take a dump in a guarantee box and, you know, rebate box and market guaranteed. I will. <laughs> but that's the, that's the problem is that they, the, the shiny objects that are put out there like rebates and when it could be so simple and, and like Dave Marley's uh, uh, pharmacy and, and like APRO, one thing that we've done, and it sounds like you're doing as well, is you're uncomplicating a complicated uh, system, what we call disruptive simplicity. And, 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 and it's developed into this, this monstrosity of, of, of numbers and, 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 and differential and pricings. And as an example, when our pharmacy students come through our, our through APRO, through six different pharmacy schools on their managed care rotation as, as P4s, they have two questions to answer in, in 30 days. And they're like, well, that sounds easy. I only answer two questions, sure. I said, you gotta get it right. How does a pharmacist get paid, really? So you gotta figure that out. And two, what's a drug cost? And that's it. They go, that's simple. Easy. And they realize it's not as simple. Not There's easy. hundreds of answers, you know, to that second question. And the first question is almost impossible to find out. Yeah. Who's paying? Then we'll right. tell you Who's how much we're going to really charge. paying you. And, and, and then, and then you get paid. And then all of a sudden there's a DIR fee. It took 90 grand from you from the first quarter of the year, that money you've already spent on employee, not that you wasted it on employees and on developing and getting new, machines in your pharmacy. And uh, this system is designed, has been punishing pharmacies, providers, and it's been, it has been punishing the employers. So the money's going somewhere and everybody wants to drag, you know, drug manufacturers up, you know, in front of Congress and everything. 
I've yet to see a PBM up there to explain why they're making so much gosh darn. Money. Most people don't even know they exist. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the villains are the drug companies. How'd that happen? Right. I'm they're not making, saying they're saints. I'm just sure. saying they're not the source of most of the waste as we know. Uh, and they are doing the R&D and getting a decreasing amount of the cost as it, as it rises of a drug in many cases. Right. Hey, drugs and medications have kept myself alive with my chemotherapy. It's kept my mother alive with her multiple myeloma. So the drug manufacturers have their place. It's just, it's, we're just, we're talking, we're not talking ethics of the drug. We're talking, where's the money going? Right. Well, and let's talk just, about this. Let me ask you this. You probably know some things I don't know about this one, but when I found out about what a patent thicket was, and Humira, and the fact that Humira, the most commonly prescribed specialty drug in America, that's, in, I mean, the cost has just been inflationary, inflationary. We have lots of groups we can look into where someone's getting enough Humira as in terms of their dosing to be $10,000 a month left to its own devices, and, you know, if we don't intervene. And I don't mean intervene by not allowing them to get the drug, but intervene in terms of eliminating waste. Sure. Uh, but they, you can go over across the pond to Europe and there's three or four or five generics for this already in use that are getting people the same results. Why isn't that happening here if the patents have expired? Patent thickets. It's incredible that we allow stuff like that to go on. There again, got to follow the money trail. Oh, but yeah. How, how can that be possible? It's, there's no, I said, you can have all the speed limits in the world, but if nobody's out there to enforce it, um, you know, people will do whatever they want out there. And then it's, 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 it's gotta be, and I hate the term awareness, uh, but it's gotta be an awareness thing. And, and, and we, we've gone news, we've, we've tried the newspapers, we've gone to the politicians. Of course, they just end up calling the big boys for the advice anyway. Um, it's, so we've, we found that the best way, and I think you found the best way to do this is the small way is, and I don't say small when I say, Go to that one employer, and that employer tells another employer, and that employer tells another employer. Uh, get one hospital system, you'll get four. You get one manufacturer of steel, you'll get another. You get one union, you'll get another. You get one municipality or school system, you end up getting another because they do talk. They have all their, there's a billion associations out there. You know, there's florist associations and, uh, and unions and everybody that gathers together, you know, like the National Community Pharmacy Association which we got to get in front of them, tell them one of the biggest, and I'll, and I'll harp on this. I tell Todd all the time, but we need pharmacists out there pounding the pavement. You know, they're the ones who are physically shaking and handing out that medicine, knowing they've just lost money on that drug. How do they need to be able to go out and grasp that, you know, yeah, grab it, pull it down and put it in their pocket and realize that they have got the power in order to change this industry as well. They could be the best sales force in the country. They are the most uniquely qualified people. They can speak the pharmacy language. They understand the pharmacy problems. PBM is a four-letter word most days. And they try to, and we've got to get that back to a three-letter word, but they have to unite. And my father, back to these analogies, you've got to unite, you know, the Scottish clans to fight the true enemy that is Longshank. You've so if all these independents were to get together and your regional chains were to get together and fight against the PBMs, you'd almost have a a collective bargaining, you know, style uh, power over, over these PBMs and, and, and it would be some change. But in the meantime, a little bit like herd cats, some of these pharmacists and, and, and most pharmacists would even say that. And I'm in a family full of pharmacists and they all agree. 
But if you get those employers together as well, then you have a juggernaut. You have yeah. a juggernaut. I yeah, I agree. That's right. That's I think the only path to a good solution is this smaller, simple path that you're describing, because there's never going to be political will. There never has been political will to do anything about it. Doesn't matter what your politics are. Either side right. gets control. They don't make Both any sides. changes. Because this is across the aisle. It's just going back to the 330 with insulin. Where's all the money go? I mean, there's so much lobbying power in this massive portion of our economy. You, what else have you been able to put the minds of, of the folks that started Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway and, and other big, big players that are supposed to be entrepreneurial disruptors and you put them up against healthcare and they, and they fail consistently. Right. And they, they fall by the wayside or even worse in a way, they become part of the problem. Amazon pharmacy, as an example. I mean, they right. just, they don't, I, we were so hopeful that this would be disruptive and they would, they could have, they could have disrupted. How could they have done it? Just take, do, don't take insurance, do a cash price and yeah. disrupt the marketplace and make it inexpensive and, and still profitable, but inexpensive and da, 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 da. didn't happen. Uh, and, and it's just not going to, it's not going to come down from the top. It's going to come from the bottom up. And we've, we've, that's what APRO is doing right now is, is we're forming partnerships with all of our, our peers, you know, uh, the PDMIs, the Vintegras, the Acela Healths, uh, the Meridians, the, the, the RX senses of the world, the true RX is the, we, we are, we are all fighting the same fight. And I, and people say, well, why would you mention a, uh, a competitor's, uh, name on your show and it's, it's because we're not competitors we're not you know our our clients rarely come to market you know it's and our clients rarely come to market against each other and the more we work together i mean heck I, i'm partnered with more than half the people i just mentioned and it, back to that uniting you know back to that that consolidation of the forces and, and, and becoming a bigger juggernaut and punching bigger than you are but it's it's when you have the industry three companies four companies really controlling 80 percent of the market your real competition is not you, know, the folks that I mentioned. It's it's right. the Optums, and, and they're the ones that the old school. And, and I hope to be as big as them someday. But uh, but they have just a different business model. And, and if there's a way to save money, they shouldn't be in a situation, and brokers shouldn't be in a situation, advisors where they're where the denying their clients the ability to save money or the ability to even see the option to save money. And that's what we're trying to do: be a market differentiator, put it out there. Let them choose. Let them choose what they want to do with their money, because we're in a situation where all, where where we have one vendor dictating what other vendors that client can use, and we've got to get away from that. We That's do. incredible. I mean, the fact so, it's just to me, it comes back to free market forces right. taking one of the most powerful forces in the world. Everybody in the world wants to sell to the American consumer. Right. Let's unleash that power on healthcare. All we need to do is get transparency, and it seems like each time when we get to a point where some of that is breaking through this hospital transparency rule that was supposed to kick in January one is kind of a good example of that. Every time we get right to that point where you think, okay, this could be a really big step forward. You know, that the, it stubs its toe, you know, like the, this hospital transparency rule, <laughs> they made a $300 a day fine. I mean, it makes me rub my head to think about it for what is oftentimes a billion dollar balance sheet. You're going to find them a hundred thousand a year if they don't comply. Are you serious right now? I right. mean, that's like asking your child to behave, but but if you don't, that's okay too. You know, right? Just don't get dessert. You know, <laughs> we won't do anything to you, but could you please do this so we can hold a presser? 
and tell people we're going to require you to be transparent. More than half the hospitals have just chosen to not comply. Others are suppressing the data. Others are putting out false data. I'm going to be on uh, a Fox show later talking about this. The fact that they've got all these hospitals are showing, some of those that are reporting are showing that they charge cash payers more. That's not what happens in reality. That's not what happens in practice. They discount it 80 to 85%. They just don't want to say that. You know? So they're right. putting out false data. Even gas travel. stations charge you less if you're paying cash. It's just not the, it's just not the way it is. Right. Because, oh, man, I tell you, this, there, there is a solution. I said, you're the solution out there. And, 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 and whoever's listening out there, you guys got to talk to Paul. If you got questions, you're an employer. And you got questions and, and you're, you're tired of that traditional broker. You know, you, you need, don't have somebody that brokers somebody, have somebody that knows something can truly advise you on, on, on what's going on out there, educate you. I'm not saying you gotta be an expert in it, but, but, but speak truth. And it's what you said. We're gonna tell you the truth. I'm not gonna sit there and I'm not gonna bash my employers or excuse me, my competitors, but I am going to tell you the truth. I mean, you're gonna get the red pill and, uh, and that's it. Sorry. And truth bill. Up to you what you do with it. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm like-minded. Uh, we're like-minded. I don't need to get a broker fired to assist a client. I, my mission is to deliver value and get compensated fairly for that. Yeah. Just like everyone should. Uh, and I, I don't, I just think we're, there's so many misaligned interests. Pharmacy is the best example, unfortunately, right. but it's throughout the whole system. Why should, a, why should a person that's brokering an account get paid more when the client pays more? I mean, does right. that really on its face make a heck of a lot of sense? Shouldn't you get paid more if you get better results? Right. I mean, that's I how the rest other of the job. world works. Yeah. You know, when price goes down and quality goes up, boom, you should win. You should get compensated for value. So I get the other common response we get from CFOs is like, uh, they're shocked and surprised pleasantly that we'll guarantee our results entire compensation to it. Uh, we will get these results or we will give you your money back. Uh, we will guarantee a 10x ROI on our fee or you will get it back. And a lot of that is because of the education that we've been getting working with people like you around how can we get the waste out of this drug space. It's it's, true. If, if that's all we did, we could build a massive practice and have a huge impact on healthcare spending as a whole in this country. Because the rest of it is each day that goes by, it's a little smaller and it's in the rearview mirror of, of drugs. Drugs are just heading fast for the door. I mean, they're going to be 50%. We're, we're not far from it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's inflationary like crazy. Just getting rid of the ways, like you said, would be newsworthy. It should be front page news on every paper and publication, podcast.com you know, everything. And because of the dollars is, is, is country changing, not just life changing. That's right. But country right. changing. And yeah. I know Todd agrees, but Todd, I know we're getting probably a little, little short on time, but anything you wanted to add on uh, what you're, what you're hearing here, anything we need to touch on, you think as far as uh, how do we, how we can blow up this industry in a, in a, in a positive way. I just think we need to demystify the PBM and it's done on purpose in order to keep it as complex as, as possible and allow them to change things as we move. We've seen the surge of specialty medications being abruptly interrupted in therapeutic uh, interchange as well as uh, decisions that are made on medications by PBMs that have nothing to do with the patient's best interest. It always has to do with what's on their formulary, what's not on their formulary. If the pharmacist was um, 
in, in better communication with the physician based on a therapeutic decision um, with prior authorizations being led by the PBM that was backed by um, uh, pharmacists that work for the PBM um, in, in a capacity of clinical necessity and, and need, then we could eliminate this vast, backwards, um, you know, uh, universe that we live in that's driven by money and has nothing to do with clinical um, best interest. And, and so it's my hope that the powers that be, like the networks that we're plugged into, we're plugged into a big network that I want both of you to be aware of called C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Network. They have over 350 podcasts that are driven by C-level people. And these, uh, these C-level people, these CEOs and CFOs, they command um, employer employees and their benefits and their lives. So we're very much wanting to get the word out, um, not to preaching to the choir uh, who Kyle and I are always in touch with, but more importantly, people like uh, Paul that have the audience at the Wall Street Journal level to let them know that, hey, stockholders, uh, there's a huge opportunity for, for you to invest in money, invest in stocks and invest in companies that are on the rise because the, the chips in the armor are taking place with the three biggest PBMs right now. And if you want to be the future of medicine, get involved in some of these uh, organizations um, like AfroRx, for example, that are truly making um, medicine the way that it's supposed to be uh, driving with um, the, the patient at the center. So um, bravo to both of you and, and really appreciated this conversation today. Yeah, definitely. I said, as Andrew Wilkow says on his radio show, we're right, they're wrong. Arguments on this podcast cannot be broken. And that's the end of the story because we're dealing with dollars here. We're not dealing with the shell game. Uh, these are people's lives. These are people's livelihoods. Uh, you know, all that money that we can put inject back into the uh, the healthcare system for better benefits. Everybody wants to be in the hundred top places to work. And if these employers now have an additional 20, 30, 40, 50% of the healthcare budget to reinvest into those benefits and they're taking it from that, that fraud, waste and abuses out there. Now you have a hiring, uh, you know, mechanism, a way to draw in, New people to your companies, and 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 if if not that, go out take that one point two million dollars and buy a boat because it's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. But we've seen that these employers are reinvesting because they want they want that human side. Again, we're all humans here, and we're putting that money back into what's really important. That's that's the people that work for us because uh, this is America, and we want to we we are a brother's keeper, and um, we want to make sure that uh, we're not uh, keeping the PBMs afloat. Uh, that aren't doing the right thing out there. So, and Paul's one of those guys. So again, any pharmacists out there, talk to Paul. Any employers out there, talk to Paul. He's not going to sit here and just say, use APRO, use APRO. All I want Paul to do is give me a chance. And those, so we can find more people that'll give me a chance to prove myself as a PBM. I'm on the right path. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, thank you for coming on. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, having you on was a, was a privilege. I enjoy uh, hearing you on, on, on the bigger programs as well, and I appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we can continue the conversation going and, and see what we can do. And I look forward to seeing you all on, on, on television very soon. You got it. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys.